0: The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, I want to reflect with you today on this great season, which is beginning this coming Wednesday, Ash Wednesday. We begin the great season of Lent. The Church traditionally says, there are three things we ought to do during Lent, and I put stress on the word do. I think in recent years we've emphasized a little too much the interior dimension, that Lent's about attitudes, about ideas and intentions. In the traditional practice of the church, Lent is about doing things, things that involve the body as much as the mind, that involve the exterior of your life as much as the interior. The three great practices of Lent Prayer, fasting, and giving three things you do. Let me talk about each one in turn. Prayer has been defined in all sorts of ways over the centuries. There are many, many different ways of practicing prayer. But let me identify it this way. I think prayer is a conscious and disciplined accessing of the center prayer is a conscious and disciplined accessing of the center Jesus Christ wants to be the center of your life that power around which all of your talents all your abilities all of your powers revolve Jesus says I want to live in you I want to be your life your mind your will To pray, it seems to me, is to access that center, to become aware of it, to live in it, to be open to it in a conscious and disciplined way. Lent, the church says, is a great time for this practice of prayer. Can I recommend a couple of very practical things? I'm a great advocate of the Jesus prayer. The Jesus prayer is a very ancient prayer form and very simple. Its roots are biblical. It flourished especially in the Eastern Christian traditions, in the monasteries of the Byzantine church. The Jesus Prayer unfolds this way. As you breathe in deeply, you say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God. And then as you breathe out, you say, Have mercy on me, a sinner. Notice, please, how it involves the mind. You're thinking about Christ. You're thinking about sin. You're thinking about forgiveness. It involves the will, the desire, and it involves the body. As you breathe in, you fill your lungs. You are signaling to your body that you are filling your life up with Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, and you breathe him in. And then as you breathe out, have mercy on me, a sinner. You're breathing out all the negative spirits in your life. You're breathing out sin. You're breathing out negativity. If you read the book, The Way of the Pilgrim, it's a very short little book. It's all about a young man who discovered the Jesus prayer, and it changed his life. He was leafing one day through the Bible, and he found St. Paul's injunction to pray constantly. And he wondered what that meant. So he sought out various spiritual masters, till he finally came to someone who explained to him what it meant. He said it means you should practice the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. How many times? Hundreds of times. Thousands of times. As you make your way through the day, maybe pausing for an hour and praying it very consciously, very, in a very focused way. But let that prayer, he said, seep into your bones. Let it seep into your lungs, into your body, into your mind. And what this young man discovered was that his life changed as he allowed the Jesus Prayer to work its way through his whole being. I think a beauty of the Jesus Prayer is that you can pray it, as I said, in a very concentrated way. You can spend an hour in the morning, spend an hour in the evening with this prayer. Sit before the Blessed Sacrament and pray it. Or you can pray it for a minute. Maybe in the midst of a very busy day, hectic day, you're facing tough decisions. Take a minute, take 30 seconds and pray this prayer. Let's say you're caught in traffic. Here's one for the Chicagoans. You're on the Edens. You're on the Kennedy. You're on the tri-state. And there you're stuck. Well, you can give yourself over to frustration. Or you say, Lord, here's my chance to pray, to access the deep center, to make contact with Jesus Christ. One more practical recommendation about prayer. I think it's wonderful to wear on your body, on your person some sign of your faith, whether it's a cross, it's a crucifix, it's a medal, it's a scapular, it's a rosary you keep in your pocket, it's a prayer card. Wear something on your body. Not only is it a public sign, let people see your faith. Let them see what you believe. It's also, I think, a way of centering ourselves. Let's say you're caught in a difficult time, you're facing temptations to be able to touch that cross that you're wearing and say, Lord, you're the center of my life. Lord, I turn my will and my mind over to you. To be able to hold on to that rosary and say, Lord, you are my everything. Wear something during Lent as a sign of your faith. Let it be a device for centering your life on the Lord Jesus. What's the second great practice of Lent? fasting. Of course, Jesus himself fasts for 40 days in the desert. It's an ancient, powerful spiritual practice. Why do we fast? Because we have a hunger for God, which is the deepest hunger. We're meant to access that hunger. We're meant to feel it so that it can direct us toward God. What's a danger? And every spiritual master, East and West, recognizes this. The danger is, if we allow the superficial hungers of our lives to dominate, we never reach the deep hunger. Thomas Merton once said that the hungers for food and for drink and for shelter and for sex are like children, because they are insistent, they're immediate, They want satisfaction now, the way a little kid does. Give me this now, give me this now. Therefore, these desires can dominate the soul very quickly if we let them. Fasting is a way of disciplining those desires, quieting those desires, not responding immediately to them so that the deep desire, the deep desire, Thirst and hunger might emerge. Unless you fast, you might never even realize how hungry you are for God. How about some practical suggestions? Well, the church tells us very clearly to follow certain dieting recommendations during Lent, abstaining from meat on Fridays, having certain days of fast. These really aren't all that stringent, and I would encourage Catholics to follow them these simple directives of the church, to fast. But I might also suggest maybe skipping a meal once a week during Lent, then taking the money you would have spent on that meal, giving it to the poor. Or skipping a meal, and during that time, pray the rosary, pray the Jesus prayer, substitute, listen now, the hunger and thirst for God in a conscious way for the hunger and thirst for food and drink. Something very simple and practical. Maybe deny yourself a simple, sensual pleasure. Maybe you like that pipe after dinner. Maybe that particularly comfortable chair you like to sit in. Maybe sleeping for the full eight hours. Perhaps during Lent, it's okay to cut back on those things, to deny ourselves certain sensual pleasures. But here's the trick. Don't simply do it as a kind of masochistic self-punishment. I'm fasting from this meal, and now I'm miserable. I'm not smoking, and that's making me crazy. Rather, feel that hunger or that need or that lack, and then treat it as a kind of sacrament of your divine hunger. Feel it. Feel that physical hunger, and then say, Lord, I know this is symbolic for me, of the hunger and thirst for you. Feel that, feel that as you fast. How about the third practice? One I think that's probably most overlooked, giving. During Lent, we're encouraged to give alms to the poor. Why do we do it? Well, as I've often said, because we are members of a body. The church is not a club, not a society, not a collection of like-minded people. The church is a body. We participate in Christ. We are the cells and molecules of his body. What that means, of course, is that we are connected one to another, just as the organs of a body are interconnected. If the liver has a problem, it's the whole body's problem. Every system is affected the lungs have a problem, the whole body's affected. So we Christians say and we believe that if you have a problem, that's my problem too, because we're connected. If someone in the far corner of the world is hungry, some member of the body of Christ in a far corner of the world is thirsty or alone or afraid, I can't say that's their problem. That's our problem. We give alms because we're connected to each other. Now, how do you give alms? Let me offer a couple of concrete suggestions. During Lent, put a poor box next to your door. Simple box, but designate it for yourself and your family as a poor box. And then every time you leave during Lent, put something in that box. Now, it could be 50 cents, it could be a dollar, it could be $10, whatever. But put something in it. And encourage your kids to do it, too, your grandchildren. Put something in the poor box every time you leave the house, knowing there's somebody in the body of Christ who needs it. Or maybe engage in ancient practice. Set an extra place at your table at dinner to remind you of that person in the body of Christ who is starving, who doesn't have enough to eat. And then take the money you would have spent to prepare that meal, put that in the poor box. Here's one that's very difficult. John Chrysostom said, if you have two shirts in your closet, one belongs to you. The other belongs to the man who has no shirt. You have two cloaks in your closet, one belongs to you. And one belongs to the man who has no cloak. Go into your closet this Lent. And all of us, especially in this culture, have many more clothes than we actually need. Go into your closet. Find a shirt or a blouse or pants or something in that closet, that you know, look, I don't need this. And there's someone in the body of Christ who has far greater need of this than I do. Give it to them. Here's what I find the hardest, maybe the most important, though. Go to the store. You're shopping for a car. You're shopping for a coat. You're shopping for a chair, whatever it is. Find the one that you like, that you want, that you could afford. And then purposely buy the next one down and give the difference to the poor. There's that car I've always wanted, and I can afford it. Good, good. Identify that. But then buy the next level down. Split the difference. Give that to the poor. All these are practical ways, I think, of almsgiving. Just a last quick thought. This is going to sound a little bit strange. My recommendation this Lent, in a certain way, forget about your spiritual life. By which I mean forget about looking inside in a fussy way at how you're doing. And follow the church's recommendation. And do three things. Call 847-297-4360. That's 847-297-4360.